And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, and today we're going to talk with Dr. Michael Brown about his books, Outlasting the Gay Revolution, and Can You Be Gay and Christian? Dr. Brown, author of many books, is a Jewish believer in Jesus and one of the leading Messianic theologians. I'm an attorney and partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker. We're Christian attorneys serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. Uh, You can get us on the Internet by going to Baker M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R, dot com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Dr. Brown, in your, your recent book, has a subtitle or an exhortation, I should say, it's time to push back America. How do we as believers push back in a right, godly way to the gay, lesbian onslaught on our society? Well, first thing we have to do is is get God's heart uh, in the matter, which means that we have to have grace and truth in our heart. We have to have a love for everyone. We have to care about those whose agenda we differ with. We have to care about them as fellow human beings for whom Jesus died. And we have to have hearts of compassion along with backbones of steel. And when we have a heart for the people, then we can take the stands that we take for society, for family, and we do it in a way that's not mean-spirited. We do in a way, do it in a way that's not reactionary. But push back, we must. So we push back first by making sure that we understand what Scripture says about homosexual practice, what Scripture says about the meaning of marriage, these various other issues that come up, so that we're grounded, we're strong, so in our church community, we make clear, this is what the Word says, this is what we stand for. Secondly, we get involved. Things happening in our schools, things happening in our workplace, things happening in social media, things happening in politics, wherever we can get involved, whether it's voting a certain way in an election, whether it's meeting with teachers in a school, whether it's uh, uh, writing a, a, a letter to the to the newspaper, whether it's filing a lawsuit uh, because of discrimination, whatever it is, that we don't just sit back and say, well, whatever, this is just what's going to happen. No, we say, okay, it's time that we stand up and make a difference. It may be costly, but it's the least that we can do. And the fact is, nobody's chopping our heads off right here in America. Uh, if someone unfriends us on Facebook, It's not exactly persecution. So it's time that we start to stand. And, of course, uh, we sought to lay out practical steps people can take for years now. But it starts with the condition of the heart, and it starts with this this understanding, I'm not going to bow down to political correctness. I'm not simply going to capitulate. The unspoken mantra of gay activism is we will intimidate and we will manipulate until you capitulate. And our mindset has to be, we're not going to capitulate. Well, that's, uh, I think, it strikes me as a really good uh, defensive strategy. 
But uh, ultimately, our heart tells us that these people are lost and that we have to bring the gospel to them. And, of course, uh, there are certain groups that are preconditioned against the gospel. You you come from uh, – uh, you're Jewish, and, and uh, I looked at your bio. It said you were a rock drummer on – on drugs, uh, fairly resistant to the gospel. Uh, not all gay people are uh, resistant, but most are probably. Uh, what's your experience with reaching people that are uh, defensive against the gospel and antagonistic to it? Our, uh, the scripture says we don't cast our pearls before swine, but I hear you saying we need to love them and, and care for them as individuals. So how do we sort that out? Yeah, well, what we, what we have to do is that, that we have to understand why people have the objections that they do. It's easy for us to say you're wrong and you don't understand and you're spiritually blind. But you have to say, okay, why does someone see things the way they do? So, for example, as, as a Jewish person myself, I didn't grow up in a religious Jewish home Although I was bar mitzvah at the age of 13, I became a drug user at the age of 14 and was playing in a rock band when I got uh, wonderfully born again at the age of 16. But uh, once I came to faith, and then my dad wanted me to meet the local rabbi, and he and I became friends, we began to talk. Once that happened, then uh, I began to read books. The rabbi gave me books about anti-Semitism in church history and how Jews perceived Christians as, as uh, murderous and associated Christianity with basically the Crusades and the Inquisitions and the Holocaust. That was their knowledge of Christianity, this murderous religion that told them, be baptized or die. So when you talk to a Jewish person, a religious Jew, that's what they're seeing, that's what they're hearing as, as part of the, the equation. Uh, or a Jew from Europe, I mean, they, they have that history, they know it a little bit better. Well, yeah, yeah. So, no, that's a great example, Michael, because that's all the resistance and all the defenses and filters that uh, many Jewish people might have. Many gay people are the same way. They, exactly. They have all kinds of filters and preconceptions of, of uh, what we believe... Uh, how do you get around those to show that you that you love uh, without fitting into uh, or feeding into the stereotype? Right. Well, that that's why it's so important that we have genuine hearts of love, and and I appreciate you you um, drawing the conclusion that I was getting to, which is that that many people identify as gay and lesbian think that Christians hate them, think that that the church is, is, you know, blazingly, quote, homophobic, uh, and, and on and on. And, and because of that, when, when we talk about Jesus, they are going to perceive Jesus a certain way. And here's the problem. You and I oppose redefining marriage. You and I oppose the administration's a transgender agenda in the schools. When we oppose these things, we're considered hateful. If I tell a gay couple, I care about you, but I don't believe your marriage is a valid marriage in God's sight, I understand that they feel rejected. I understand that they feel that they are, they are not human in, in my sight, that I'm not entitled to the same rights that I have. So what we have to do is really build relationships. Uh, what we have to do 
is reach out with compassion. The philosophy we've been following for 11 years now is reach out and resist. Reach out to the people with compassion, resist the agenda with courage. And it's, it's going to take patient relationship building and smashing the negative stereotypes. And if we have gay neighbors or gay family members, rather than cutting them off, we reach out to them all the more. And we don't make homosexuality the issue. We make their need for Jesus the issue. And then bringing them to Jesus, then we can help them deal with other issues in their lives. Yeah, you're using a Christian catchphrase we all agree with, reach out. But how, how does that, uh, what does that look like? And how does that look like in, in your life in, in dealing with people that have uh, same-sex attractions? Well, on the one hand, I am hated and vilified because I've been a very outspoken critic of gay activism. I have resisted the, the agenda for years, and we've documented where it's going uh, uh, in the article form and talk form and then in book form beginning in 2011 with A Queer Thing Happened to America and then in 2015 with Outlasting the Gay Revolution. Even though I write with compassion and sensitivity, I still get blasted as a hater and a homophobe. That's that's just a, a reflex reaction that's going to come. But on an interpersonal level, I've sat and had meals with gay activists. On an interpersonal level, uh, while traveling and flying, if, if the person next to me, I realize they're gay and we immediately begin to talk, I want them to tell me their story. I tell them I'm a conservative follower of Jesus and so on, but I want to hear their story. Uh, I've done it by, by listening as much as possible and by, by uh, making clear that when I take a stand against an issue, I'm constantly reaching out to people. And we've had great reports of people coming out of homosexuality because they, they saw one of my talks and the stereotypes were smashed. Uh, they, they saw a YouTube Q&A I was doing or they heard a message and they realized that I was not like this negative stereotype that they had in their head because of which they were much more open to listen and then they'll, they'll send me a note on our YouTube channel or, or they'll write me a letter with this wonderful testimony and it was that they recognize love coming out of my heart. And the way it has to be, sir, is if someone cuts us, we have to bleed love. It can't be something put on or pretended, because people will feel that. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's that's totally right. And, and to all who are listening, you know, the, let's just pray now that we get our right hearts, uh, and Lord Jesus, give us a deep love and compassion for those that are struggling with same-sex attractions. Let them. Let us not see them as the enemy, but let them. Let us see them as fellow human beings that you love and are fallen like we are and help them to find Jesus. Uh, thank you, Mike. After the break, I'm going to talk about some ways that we, we've related uh, as lawyers uh, to gay activists who hate us also and, and, and get your thoughts on, on a strategy that may uh, help impact uh, th- them for the gospel. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of the law firm of Malkin Baker. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauck, partner of the law firm of Mauck & Baker. We're talking with Dr. Michael Brown about his books, Outlasting the Gay Revolution and Can You Be Gay and Christian? Uh, Dr. Brown is a leading Messianic scholar and has experienced the hatred and anger of gay activists, but has been explaining to us how we need to respond with with love and compassion. Uh, Dr. Brown, I want to tell you about something that's happened in our legal practice and get your reaction in terms of reaching gays. Our our, our religious liberty practice uh, involves litigation frequently over uh, gay issues. And we have here in Illinois a law that makes it a consumer fraud for a pastor to teach uh, or to refer to homosexual practice as a, uh, a disorder. And, of course, that's a code word for sin, and, and we do believe it's sin, and it shouldn't be consumer fraud for a pastor in his counseling um, ministry uh, to say that. Yet it is. So we've challenged that in court, and we always try to reach out to the gay press because we feel that we want to reach gay people or those who have unwanted same-sex attractions with the hope of Jesus. And we do get good coverage and and, uh, not favorable coverage, but broad coverage, and, and we get the word out there. But I've had two occasions to talk to reporters in the past few months about the gay onslaught and have said to them, this is an important milestone for the gay movement because the gay movement has been full of people who have been persecuted or have felt persecuted, felt marginalized, felt deprived of their civil rights, and now with the Obergefell decision and other other victories, uh, it's a turning point, and it's a point where gays have to ask themselves, are we going to turn from being oppressed to being oppressors? And as I've said that, uh, both of these reporters uh, teared up, and the, uh, we touched something uh, in, in terms of where they were at in their uh persecutor and now am I going to become a persecutor, uh, condemning persecutors and and now seeing that the tables are turned and they have the political ascendancy. Have you had that type of experience? Is there any sensitivity in the gay movement to uh, that type of thought or what do you think about it, Doctor? Uh, Yes, uh, actually there, there is. I document some of it in my book, Outlasting the Gay Revolution. There's no question, and I've said this for over a decade, that those who came out of the closet, meaning gay activists, want to put us in the closet. It's not just a matter of live and let live. It's a matter of our views are now considered intolerable. So the ones who were bullied have become the bullies. The ones who were oppressed have become the oppressors, and we've been able to document that for years now. But there are other gay leaders who are not happy with this. Uh, things have gone further than they wanted. Uh, Dr. Angela McCaskill is an African-American woman who is also deaf 
and graduated from Gallaudet, a premier school of the deaf in the D.C. area. She was the first African-American to earn a Ph.D. there, I believe, and has been on staff at the school for years and headed up the diversity department and simply signed a petition in her church asking that the people of Maryland would be able to vote on uh, the issue of marriage and that it wouldn't be decided by elected officials. And for signing that, she was suspended from her job. It was an absolutely traumatic time. It was outrageous. The students were upset because she was greatly loved. How could she do the diversity department, though? She didn't agree with homosexual practice and uh, and, you know, that was the accusation. Well, there were even gay groups that said, we, we didn't want this. This this is going too far. And then when uh, Brendan Eich, who is the, the, the CEO of Mozilla, you know, an Internet genius kind of guy, when it was found out that back in 2008 he just gave $1,000 in support of Proposition 8, that marriage is the union for man and woman, which at that point, candidate Barack Obama claimed to agree with as well, and the majority of the people of California agreed with when people found out that he gave that money, there was an outcry throughout the company. He ended up having to resign, and there were gay activists and their allies that signed a petition saying, this is not what we asked for. You know, we have our rights, and we can do what we want, and they should have their rights to differ, and no one should be uh, uh, persecuted or prosecuted for it. Uh, but that remains the minority, sad to say. It seems that the majority of activists and their allies are all for silencing dissenting views. So you have in different states now that if you have a 17-year-old boy, maybe he was sexually abused when he was younger, maybe he's confused about his sexuality, he's troubled by homosexual feelings, he wants to get professional counseling to get to the root of it, his parents affirm it. Uh, it's illegal in some states to do that. Uh, there are moves to, to silence Christian leaders. If you disagree with certain things, uh, we lose our tax exemption. Uh, you know, there are people that, that want to see that happen and on and on. So what we're finding out is, is that the call for tolerance is really an extreme intolerance, that when people talk about uh, diversity, they mean my way or the highway. When they talk about being inclusive, they're talking about exclusive of everything outside of their little group. And well, I believe that that's going to undo a lot of the movement, because a movement that was built on, look, we are just the victims, when it becomes the victimizing movement, I believe it's going to shoot itself in the foot. And what's the basis for, for that hope, Michael? I mean, I think we all hope that this will uh, run its course but it doesn't seem to be abating. Why, why do you think that people are going to become rational or repentant uh, about this oppression that, that's uh, building? Well, spiritually speaking, I, I see gay activists overplaying their hand. Uh, Americans really do side with victims. Americans do side with underdogs. Um, there are going to be sympathies when, when a family, you know, a baker loses their business over this. Uh, when someone ends up going to jail because they can't uh, conform to a certain mindset, uh, Americans are, are going to recognize that. They're, they're going to go against the bullies. Uh, nobody likes a bully. And the more gay activists become bullies, there's going to be a pushback against that. That's one thing. The other thing is the agenda goes too far. It keeps expanding. So that uh, gay lesbian is not enough, it's gay lesbian bisexual, that's not enough, it's gay lesbian bisexual transgender. 
And the transgender activists are now opening the door where perception becomes reality. Where, where Tinder, some dating uh, app, just announced that, that uh, instead of male, female, they now have 37 gender options. Facebook came up with 49 gender options, including 10 simultaneously. You could, you could put on your bio, but that wasn't enough, so they had to add and fill in the blank. Uh, you know, the administration pushing states to say you will be punished unless you allow a 15-year-old boy who identifies as a girl to play on the girls' uh, sports teams and share the locker room and shower stall. It, it's outrageous. It's well, it, outrageous. It, it, it's outrageous, but it's, it's there. We're told by the gays that there are a lot of people who are latent homosexuals and we shouldn't suppress them. But when we've argued back that maybe some gays are latent heterosexuals, and uh, want to change, all of a sudden, it's not uh, reciprocal. It's uh, illogically, they say, you can't change back or you can't turn away. Uh, We have a lot of testimonies. All you have to do is go on the Internet and find uh, people that were gay who found Jesus and been healed. There's a great video, Such Were Some of You, that I would recommend, uh, testimonies of ex-gays, but it doesn't seem to penetrate the thinking. There's there's a, a darkness or an illogic, and uh, can we really expect logic to win this battle? Uh, because it's is it a logic battle, or is it a spiritual battle? Well, it's a spiritual battle, but we don't want to shut off our minds. There are people who are reasonable, there are people who are thinking, but, but ultimately it is a spiritual battle. And we have to pray for the opening of hearts and minds. Uh, we have to pray for truth to expose uh, lies and, and propaganda. And, and look, uh, how has gay activism made the strides it's made? One way is that a lot of the stereotypes were wrong and they were exaggerated. And you have a gay family member or a gay friend, uh, you know, a gay couple, and they seem like every other couple, a nice couple. And, you know, why should we be discriminatory against them? Well, the same way more and more people are coming out of homosexuality. Uh, more and more are getting their stories out. It's, it's going to be impossible to ignore at a certain point, but ultimately <clears throat> I'm, I'm looking for God to turn the tide. I'm looking for a spirit of, of revival uh, in the church to spread into the society. When I came to faith in 1971, it was part of what's called the Jesus People Movement, and uh, hundreds of thousands of hippies and radicals and rebels around the world got radically converted. I was one of them. And we're praying for the same thing to happen in the in the LGBT community and for people to really talk about, hey, look, I was like this. I lived this way. This was who I was, and I'm not anymore. And I, and I want to tell you that I've never been freer. I've never been more whole. I've never been happier. And when people hear those stories enough, they will start to sink in. They will start to penetrate, and we will start to see change. But it's a, it is ultimately a spiritual battle. But hey, yes, we the, have an advantage. We know God. We know the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we and we have this promise. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Those who loved their own lives, not even unto death. So I would encourage our, our listeners who want to help stem this tide, die to yourselves and be willing to take the persecution, but stand up for the truth. Our guest has been Dr. Michael Brown, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed.
You're gonna have to serve somebody 